0: Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Desires ...for us to flourish individually, corporately, in our marriages, friendships, as, as parents, as grandparents, whether we're retired or empty nesters or just starting out, God has spoken to us through the Holy Spirit, through Scripture, for us to flourish. You could say amen. When you look at Scripture, there's nothing in there that is is ruining us. There is nothing in Scripture that is actually holding back. It is for our health. It's because God knows us. He knows what we need to flourish. And this is what's exciting. In 1 Timothy 4:12, it says, "Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But instead, set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity." So, the young ones, you young people can actually lead the way in the church. You can actually be an example for the adults. You don't have to wait You don't have to wait and say, okay, well, when I'm an adult and then I'm going to get a little bit more serious and understand my faith. No, right now, you can be an example. In Titus, we see instructions for men and women. The older men are to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-control, and sound in faith. And in this, you older men are teaching the younger men to be self-controlled so that people would have nothing negative to say about the younger men because you are training them up. And in the same way, older women are to be reverent, not slanders. They're to teach what is good. And in so doing, the older women are teaching the younger women, encouraging them to do the same. This is why having a multi-generational church, I believe, is the healthiest church that there can be. Biblically speaking, God has designed it in such a way that we are working together, from the young to the old, that you are never washed out, you are never done, that God has plans and purposes for each of us in different stages in our life. And for us being citizens of the United States, we have some great things, but we also have some things that we need to be aware of. And one of those is the individualistic society that we live in. That yes, God does want us individually to get closer to Him and to develop and and to grow in Him, but that's not it. There is so much more to our walk in following Christ than just feeding ourselves and only thinking of ourselves. We need to look outwards as well. The church or the ecclesia, known as the assembly, has been around now for over 2000 years and as we know not without some problems some hurdles scandals embarrassing marks on our record we look and we can look at history and we can wonder how on earth could the church in some cases get away with things how on earth can you look at the scripture and, and look at the life of Christ and and get to the place that of some of the scandals how does that even happen? Some of the abuses, some of the wars, some of the battles that were fought in the name of Christianity. We look at that and we go, Lord, how, how does that happen? So we are going to be looking at the origins. How did it start? You know, if you're like me, when you look at like a superhero movie, for me, my absolute favorite is The Origin. The Origin. When you look at the, the movie in the string of a million now, they are kind of wearing it out, right? But the origin story of how somebody got to where they are. Why is it that they're this way? What, what is it that, that caused them to be who they are? If you think about it, we all have an origin story. We have a, a series of events on each of our timelines of the lives we have lived so far, and they explain how we got to where we are today. The reason we believe the gospel is so powerful is because those of us who have placed uh, the name Christian or the follower of Jesus on our souls have a, a disruption in our timeline. At least we're supposed to. And so when you look at the timeline of our lives, you know, some are, all 3 feet that we have here some are maybe a little shorter right but for all of us we have we have this timeline the cool thing about god is that he was and he is and will always be and so he's he's always here in in every aspect of our of our timeline he he is here but something happens for us, when someplace on this line, that we have a disruption of following Christ. Now, again, some some of you maybe accepted Christ in your older years. Some maybe this is all you know, and so maybe the disruption that could have been is a little less. And so people who've lived a lot of life and maybe a hard life, and they. They get saved here. They look back at somebody who got saved here, and they look back with longing. They look back and think, "Oh, if I only would have known, my life would be so much different." And sometimes these people here, they go, "I really don't have much of a story, because this is really all I've ever known." And unfortunately, for, for you, you, you don't understand what you've been saved from sometimes. Regardless of where that we can put our mark on this timeline, your origin story matters. Your origin story matters to others. Your origin story matters to God. And one origin story is not better than Another. Now, they might be a little bit more compelling, right? Because there, there are times that we look at things and we go, I did not know that somebody could actually be saved from that. I didn't actually know that God could rescue somebody out. And so we, with awe, listen, and we just praise the Lord of his glory. And we, we thank the Lord for his power for rescuing people from sin and from death. And, and the Bible tells us in, in uh 1 Corinthians 1:18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power. It is the power. That's why the disruption is so real that this is really the testimony. The disruption is the testimony. This is who I was, or this is the Well, it's gone now, but this is the path that that I was going on. And this is, thank you, honey. (laughs) Dropping the string for those that are listening on podcast. This is where I was going, but now this is where I'm going. It's a disturbance. It is a disturbance in our life. And we get to share our disturbance with people. Today we are talking about the birth of a movement. The birth of a movement. Have you ever been on the ground floor or the grassroots of something exciting? Like, it's like a, you can just feel it. There's just this excitement. It's like bursting at the seams. The gates are like bending and you're just sitting and, and waiting for it to happen. That, that's how I want us to be in the church. Oh man, can you imagine if we had that expectation that we don't even want to miss church? Not for the sake because you need to be here to be saved. But because you have an expectation that God is going to do something miraculous. And that people's disturbance is going to start. People are going to start getting saved. People's lives are going to just have the, uh, this disturbance that we get to celebrate. And look, I, I, for many years, because of where i had worked, I'd gone through the city of Delano, and the river there is known for its flooding. And I remember times I would drive by, and then I would do a quick U-turn, and I'd come back around, and I'd go on this little city front, and I would just sit there and watch the bridge and the water hitting it with such power and force the rule of the water was mesmerizing. It's like, you, you, you feel like if, if you just take your eyes off of it, that, like, you're going to miss something. Like, you're just waiting for the bridge to just go, and then when you gain enough, you know, courage, you kind of go up on the bridge, and you're like, this is crazy. And then you see debris hit it, and sometimes it's just pressed upon that side of the bridge. Then all of a sudden, it gets sucked under, and then it shoots to the other side. There is an expectation that something is going to happen. Man, I want us to have that here. Some of us used to have that. Again, this isn't about church attendance. This is about us believing that God wants to move. Move. That God wants to move. Something that Jane and I have prayed for years, I've communicated this, and this is something I want us as a church to be praying. Let's pray for an authentic move of the Holy Spirit. Not some man-made conjuring up thing. The pagans did that all the time. Jumped around, cut themselves, did a lot of funny dances. Elijah made fun of them. an authentic move of the Holy Spirit. Would you start praying that with me? Would you start saying, Lord, I am believing for a move in this place. I am praying that God will reignite some passion in us, that we will be reignited to what he has called us to. Or maybe you need to hear for the very first time in your life that God has a call and he has purposes on your life. Are you willing to answer them? You were designed more for more than a nine-to-five job. You were designed more than the job that you had or have for the family that you have. You were designed for more. And I want you to start believing it. The message of Christ is old, but the means of how we communicate the message of love and hope doesn't have to be old. We must be willing to make changes to reach the next generation with the love of Christ. There isn't one person here, there isn't one church in the world, there isn't one style that is doing it all right. There are thousands of different expressions meeting right now as we speak, lifting up the name of Jesus, worshiping God through his mighty name, but these expressions of the church are to have one message, the message of the cross, the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and the restoration of mankind. This message is the message of reconciliation between God and man. This message has to be the same. There is no room. There is no room for anything else. If we veer away from this, we have no reason to meet here at all. But the purposes and the way that we get to this message, or communicate this message or talk to different people, it can change. It can be different. And you know what? We need to be able to celebrate those differences. God is here. He is alive. He is working through us and his Holy Spirit to draw all people to himself. And we need to get on board to that. Again, yes, we are individual. Yes, we are corporate. But God has a bigger purpose. There are people here that are lost and that need to know Jesus. And let's have the expectation. Let's be inviters. Let's be people that are bold enough to be able to talk to people. Like Corey Ten Boom said, it's one of my favorite um, quotes. As she said, as she saved hundreds of Jews, I was just the skin on God's hands. You and I are just the skin on God's hands. And let's do what he's put in front of us. Amen. Now, before we dive too far into this, and some of you might think this is boring, some of you are like, yeah, finally, Um, there are places in scripture that if we're not all in the same place, we're going to be a mess, okay? And so, we're going to talk about the Trinity for a second, and for those of you who know theology well, and you might be seeing I'm holding this up, you might be cringing because you know that I'm about to make um, a very dangerous remark on heresy, Okay, so I'm going to speak heresy for a second. If you don't know what heresy means, it means that it is actually against Scripture. Okay, so for for years, people have tried to communicate what the Trinity is. Trinity was actually, it's not in the Bible. Okay, there's no word of saying, well, the Trinity did this and Trinity did that. No, but it refers to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In order for people to try and communicate how the Trinity works, how the Godhead works, uh, people have tried illustrations for for a very long time. Um, Wayne Grudem says the word Trinity means tri-unity or three-in-oneness. In In other words, the Trinity is used to define what the Bible repeatedly talks about when describing God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Again, tri-unity. Could you put up the uh, scriptures up there I have on the next tab? Thank you. Genesis 1.26, and it says, let us, I put it italicize us, make man in our own image after our likeness. We, what we have here is a plural verb and a, and a plural noun describing the triunity. All is one, creating man in the image of God, who is again one. The next one, Genesis 3.22. Now, this is after Adam and Eve have sinned, Godhead says, behold, the man has become like one of us Genesis 11 7, come let us go down and confuse their languages this is in the Tower of Babel God is not talking to his angels God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit you realize that Jesus was in heaven he wasn't just born and, and created at that moment he is not a created being he always has been Isaiah 6 8 whom shall I send and whom shall go for us look at that whom shall I, individual, who shall go for us corporately? There are so many other examples in Genesis 1-2. The Bible begins by telling us the earth was formless and void and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Now, there is this, the, the heresy, which is one of the, the most widely used um, or thought about for Christians where they improperly, it's not, I'm, you're not a bad person. If you think this, you say, well, the God of the Old Testament was, well, there's the Spirit. So at that point, be, God was just the Spirit. He turned himself into just the Spirit. And then in the Old Testament, we see a little bit more of God the Father. So then they, you know, then we got that point there. And then, oh, and he needs to be Jesus. Then all of God, he empties heaven and becomes Jesus. That's called modelism. Okay, that's wrong. And so now this is, this is the closest I had to a three-leaf clover. And so people uh, through the years have tried to say, well, this is like the Trinity. It's all one leaf, Correct. What kind of leaf do I have here? Maple, yeah, yeah. You should go to Original Pancake House after and have some maple syrup, right? And so we got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? All in one. But the problem is that this is actually modelism because actually God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. They are all individual and they are all one. These illustrations, they don't work super well, because here's the deal. The Trinity is a mystical union. Like, like, the, like I, I had already read from, uh, from Grudem, the Trinity is a mystery that we will never be able to understand. The more you read of it, the more your brain is just kind of going... This is where it takes faith and just saying, Lord, I'm just going to put this in my Deuteronomy 29, 29, where it says, the secret things belong to the Lord. I don't fully understand how this works, but I understand that there's the Father, there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. So here are the three things that we see in Scripture that point to the unity uh, in the Trinity. God is three persons. Each person is fully God. There is one God. God is three persons, each person is fully God. There is one God. This is core to our beliefs. And it is gonna be very difficult as we look into the birth of a movement, which we see in Acts, the birth of a church. I was gonna say overnight, but really it was just in the morning. It was like an explosion, mega church happen after one sermon. I can promise you, I've never done that. That's never happened. Something outrageous happened, and God showed up. So one of the questions happens when we talk about the Trinity, when we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three separate, yet one. How do we pray? How do we pray? Well, thank you. That's a great question. For 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6, For there is one God, and one mediator between God and mankind, The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as ransom for all people. Jesus is the mediator. John 14, 6-7, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is why we pursue Jesus together like our mug. If you haven't had a mug yet, you're new here, grab a mug. We got one for you. When we know Jesus, we know the Father and the Holy Spirit is active among us, teaching us all truth by knowing Jesus. Jesus is the mediator between God and mankind. Therefore, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus because he is the mediator. So we say, Heavenly Father. We say, God. We say, Lord. We say, Father God. Some of you say, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father Father God, Father God. You can say it however many times you want. In the name of Jesus, I come before you. Now, Paul, one of the most brilliant theologians of all time, knew that this would be a problem, speaking to the Jews. And so in Galatians 3.20, He says, a mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. God is one. Again, God is three persons. Each person is fully God. There is one God. John 16, starting at verse 7, it says, but truly I tell you, it is for your good, this is Jesus, that I am going away. And he says, unless... I go away, the Advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Again, individual. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me. All righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. In weeks to come, We are going to be diving into the specifics and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in us today. But before that, we need to look at this movement that God has called the church. Jesus went to heaven and sent God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is among us. The Holy Spirit works in us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit is 100% God in perfect unity with Jesus. We see in Romans that Jesus is interceding for us on the throne. And his Holy Spirit is working in us as he intercedes for us. God is three persons. Each person is fully God. There is one God. This is a mystical union. It is consistent throughout all of Scripture. Jesus left so the Holy Spirit could come, still 100% God. He is among us today. So we are going to find, as we look at the birth of this movement called the church, you, are, you should see that we have to understand this. When you look in the book of Acts, if we do not understand this, we will have an improper idea of who God is and how he works. Acts chapter 1, we see preparation, we see equipping, the disciples were waiting, there's anticipation of the arrival, the gates are going to explode, they know that there's an arrival going to happen, this is Acts chapter 1, and then Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit arrives at like nine in the morning, the gates have been released, the Holy Spirit is Poured out. Now, the disciples, instead of being equipped, they're now empowered by the Holy Spirit. Instead of waiting, they're now being sent out. This is the birth of the church. Thousands of people coming to Christ. We will be dividing or, or diving into to Acts in the next couple weeks. And Acts is actually action. There there are acts that are happening through this entire thing that are meant for us today. And I believe for us, we need to be reminded that God is not dead. We need to be reminded that God still desires to move. He still heals. He still pulls people out of the mire and out of the clay and pulls them out and rescues them and restores them and some of us need to have that holy spirit breathed into us once again there's this famous theologian named NT Wright and he's written an obscene number of books and if you've ever tried to read his books you just never mind it's ridiculous. And uh, he's a highly regard- regarded uh, voice in New Testament theology and the Pauline literatures. And he, he wrote in the, the New Testament and the people of God, he, he identifies problems with how we today glorify much of the early church. And I'm one who, who does this as well. And, and what he says is, it's not that it's wrong, but he points out that we, we really have um, a limited amount of of understanding. There's, there's a, we have the Gospels and there's um, some historical things about that century, but there's really not a whole lot. And so what happens is, is we bring in our, our worldviews. And we have, we have different worldviews here today. And so what we do is, is we read the Gospels and, and we, okay, this is the birth, this is how things are supposed to be. And because there's so many holes in what we're reading, because you know, it's, you, we would be reading for forever. That we, we kind of create and we fill in spaces by our own perspectives and, and worldviews. So a worldview, um, defined by N.T. Wright, is the basic stuff of a human existence, the lens through which the world is seen, the blueprint for how one should live it, and above all, the sense of identity and place uh, which enables human beings to be what they are. All cultures produce and maintain symbols. They can often be identified when challenging them produces anger and fear. Have you ever been in a place where somebody challenges you or they want to change something and you feel anger and fear coming up inside? You can't do that. Why? They're challenging your worldview. If you've ever been overseas, you're like, why do you do it that way? You're doing it all wrong. What do you mean you're having a sandwich, an open-faced sandwich in the morning? You can't do that. Where's the other piece of bread? It has to go on the top. You know? Your worldview is, is different. The birth of this movement started out as a tiny Jewish sect that virtually over, not night, the morning exploded. And it exploded with people from all sorts of cultures. 9 a.m., we're Jews. 9.15, we've got 3,000 people from all over the known world. We have a mess. My identity is now shredded because everything they knew was in the Jewish context and so now you start reading through the New Testament through that lens and now you're reading through all these people saying, well, what do we do about this? And what do we do about this law? And what do we do about this? They're, the Holy Spirit's following, following on them in the same way and they're, they're doing it too. Well, they can't do that because they don't eat like us. This isn't right. And we do the same. We do the same thing. Not on purpose. You're not wrong. Again, Same message. Same message. But we have a lot of people that we need to reach, and we need to be creative, and we need to try things out to be able to reach people with the love of Christ. As a church, our message holds true to the gospel of Jesus Christ that our methods will change. Even from a few years ago, things that I used to say, ways that I used to commun- communicate with people changed. It had to. Some of you who were raised in the church, maybe your timeline was a little bit earlier, right? Oh, well, that's okay. Leaves are falling anyway. <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, maybe you've heard just outlandish things. You think about the way that preachers... Used to talk about females. Aren't you glad some things have changed? I don't know. I've heard some pretty crazy things from the pulpit. I don't know about you. You think if you tried to play some of those preachers back then and you put them in here today, someone would be going, Pastor, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> Why? Because things have, have changed. Things have changed. When, when, I, uh, when I first started here, I sat down with the interim pastor. Um, I asked some, some people who had been here for a long time, and I said, um, can you share the history of the church with me a little bit, and can you tell me if there's some sensitive topics I should maybe stay clear of for a while? Culture. There's a culture here that I wasn't aware of. And so I, I have to come in and, and be sensitive in understanding that there are people that have experienced things that I haven't been a part of. And I have to be sensitive to that. And that's, that's the world we live in. There are people all over the place, some of our next-door neighbors, that have cultures and, and a whole life story that we don't know anything about. And we need to figure out ways to be able to talk with them, learn about them, and hear their story because their story does matter. So, what's the point? The birth of this movement starts with the reconciliation of God through Jesus. After that, it moves to empowerment by the working of the Holy Spirit. You become a Christian, you start preparing, you start being equipped. Acts 1. You you have that knowledge and you start having that understanding. And then the Holy Spirit, while he's working and preparing us, some longer than others, some man, God just for whatever reason, just takes you. Jana and I, we were young and in love and married. We joke that, that love doesn't buy chicken. Some of you might get that in a second. We lived on love for as long as we could when we realized that love doesn't buy chicken. When we would buy things... Our, our uh, lens and whether we should buy some or not is we'd go, how much chicken would this buy? Okay, I won't buy it. But we had a desire to be used by God. And you know what? God, was so slow. Good grief. My <laughs> God, we're like ready. Year after year after year after year after year after year. Just plugging away. Sometimes we felt like, Lord, there's so much wasted time. We could have been running. We could have been honing our gifts. And and you know what? The Lord had different plans. And that's how it is with us. Is that God is using us and and he's developing us. And I just want to quickly say to some of you who, when you think about what it means to be used by God, you have a picture in your mind. Again, worldviews. You see somebody on a stage preaching, you're like, I'm not doing that. Or you see somebody on a stage, you're like, I'm going to do that. As if that is what it means to be used in ministry. Where Moses had the staff in his hand and God says, what's in your hand? I'll use whatever's in your hand. This is how ministry works. What is in your hand? How has God been using you? And he's going to find a way to use you in whatever you're putting your hands to with all of your might. I desire an authentic move of the Holy Spirit in this place, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, our workplace, in our country, but it also comes when the people who are the church, you and I, realize that we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Val, could you come and just play softly? Would you please stand up? I want you to elbow someone if someone's close to you and say, he's talking about me this morning. He's talking about me. You just want to play softly. I am praying that God will reignite some passions in this place. I am praying that God is going to reignite some hopes and some dreams and what he has called you to. I am praying that God is going to reignite a passion for you, that you are going to start going, Lord, I have an expectation that you are going to do something. In this place, sure. Yeah, we want that, right? But where you're at. So here's how we're going to end today. If you want to come on up and come for prayer, Jane and I are just going to come and lay our hands and pray over people. We are going to just pray for an outpouring of his spirit upon you and that you can go knowing that God has empowered you by God, his Holy Spirit. There's nothing magical about this, but there is a step of faith. And so if you want to come on down here, you can just stand right here just facing us and we're going to come and we're just going to pray that God fills you with, your, with his spirit for an empowerment for God to use you in a mighty way. And if you, are, you need to go, if you need to move on, that is totally great. Uh, just if you would please be quiet and go out into the foyer in the Connection Lounge. We bless you. But right now, we pray, if you're just in this place, just start praying. And let's start believing that God has a desire to do something, that these floodgates are going to bust open. And we can start having an expectation of the Holy Spirit moving in this place. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we see the desire that you've put in the hearts of your people to move and to be empowered. Heavenly Father, we pray for a movement in this place. We pray for a movement in the hearts of your people. Lord, you said it in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Lord, your Holy Spirit was designed to, to give power for boldness. We just ask that it comes in your holy name, we pray. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.